0: Welcome back to another edition of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket. I'm your host, Peter Delapena, And on today's show, we have the former mayor of Morrisville, North Carolina, Mark Stolman. Few people have really taken to cricket like Mayor Mark. If you've seen him in person, you would know what I'm talking about. And he's a treasured member of the North Carolina cricket community. During his time as mayor, he was influential in spearheading the completion of the Church Street Park cricket field that hosted the ICC America's T20 World Cup Qualifier Sub-Regional in September 2018. But there's a lot more to Mark Stolman besides that. He'll talk about his journey into cricket and why he has continued to be such an avid supporter of the game into his 60s and continues to play and volunteer and umpire and do all sorts of things, anything he can to help cricket in North Carolina and America. Today's edition of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket is also sponsored by Musa Cricket Stadium, the first and original turf wicket facility in the state of Texas. For more information, call 713-534-2195, that's Musa Cricket Stadium in in Pearland, Texas, just a half hour south of Houston. Today on the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast, presented by Dream Cricket, we have the former mayor of Morrisville, North Carolina,
1: Mark Stolman. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Peter. It's good to be on the show. I appreciate you guys reaching out to me. I always love to talk about cricket.
0: I know. I, judging by your, your social media timeline, that, that is 100% true. Pictured at different cricket events in and outside of North Carolina with your India jersey on. Yeah, Very proudly, yeah. you've got your Triangle Cricket League jersey on today. So you're not just a fly-by-night cricket
1: fan, cricket player. You're you're all in. I'm totally all in. This is... Uh... It's an addiction uh, picked up very late late in my life. It's been a whirlwind for the last uh, five-plus years being this involved in cricket. What a wonderful sport, great fans, great players. I'm just uh, absolutely thrilled to be a part of it uh, in a growing growing region like North Carolina.
0: And part of that growth in North Carolina, you were quite instrumental in the Church Street Park project most well-known for the ICC America's T20 World Cup qualifier that was hosted there in 2018, September 2018. It was right after a hurricane as well.
1: Yeah, literally.
0: That just actually highlighted how impressive the facility was in terms of the drainage and just all the infrastructure. Because when I landed in Raleigh a couple days earlier, half the city was flooded. Half the city was underwater. Yeah. On the drive home from the airport, there was there was standing water, certain places you, you couldn't really drive, and the rain was still coming down. The remnants of the hurricane were rolling through. I remember going to the ground when the rain finally stopped, and there were puddles galore, standing water outside the boundary, water inside the boundary, but... By day one of the tournament, you would have had no clue <laughs> that a hurricane had rolled through just days earlier because the drainage was magnificent. The ground looked spectacular. The tournament went off once it began without a hitch. Yeah. It really just... a uh, phenomenal event not just from the facility standpoint and how well it held up in spite of the conditions but the community support you were front and centered throughout the week in a volunteer capacity and and so many other volunteers i've never really seen anything like it in u.s cricket just the community spirit of morrisville was phenomenal to see what are your memories of that week i guess starting with a hurricane <laughs> going through to the
1: end It it was interesting because leading up to it, obviously, we had a a little bit of a window leading up a couple months worth of a ramp up to get the pitch tuned up to um, international standards. All the preceding winter, we had a lot of a lot of issues trying to get proper clay out of, uh, it was in the, from the Indianapolis area, we were trying to get clay. The trucks were breaking down, the bulldozers were breaking down. We ended up having to bring bags into uh, Morrisville, truckload after truckload after truckload, and getting those uh, onto the pitch and the proper compaction, getting the, the field ready. And just when we thought everything looked good for the tournament out on the horizon, the thing about hurricanes are there, you know about them about a week ahead of time. They can go almost anywhere once they get started. But the the stress of seeing it just take a bullseye right towards us, it's very stressful when you have that many international teams coming to Raleigh, trying to coordinate that many people, uh, vendors, players, spectators, everything you name it, we were gonna be in trouble. There was over 20 inches of rain as part of that system in the Raleigh area. Luckily, it kind of did a little loop around Morrisville proper. As you mentioned earlier, the volunteers are the ones that saved the day. Triangle Cricket League is our local organization, all volunteer run. They came out with everything from super soakers, soakers, whatever they're called, to uh, you know towels and brooms and everything else to get that field in, in working order. Uh, the town of Morrisville has a great public works and parks department that was right there with us the whole time. It took an absolute village to get that grounds ready. And then we were blessed with five, six, straight days of beautiful weather after that so uh, a little bit of timing uh, luck uh, you'll see throughout my journey in cricket there's there's a lot of luck involved and uh, timing is always uh, something that sometimes happens in your favor sometimes not in this case uh, the timing was perfect we had huge crowds out there as, and when you were there peter i know that you were um, impressed with the amount of local community support uh, sometimes upwards to 2,500 people would come out to see these these matches. And they were treated to some unbelievable cricket, particularly the USA and Canada matches. Uh, you know, they went down to the last uh, over, uh, sometimes the last ball. It was an amazing event. And two and a half years later, and people are still talking about the uh, T20 qualifiers and more still.
0: And it's understandable why, because it was such a phenomenal event, not just for the on-field action, especially those USA and Canada matches, but everything else that was a contributing factor to the event with the community support and merchandising. I've got my triangle pick 20 welcome qualifier T-shirt on, there you go. which was a rarity at a U.S. cricket event to be able to buy something to take home and have as a keepsake for the event. And there were just so many aspects that we'll get into a, a bit later on. To give some people a bit of background about yourself, you have a slight Southern accent, not super thick, <laughs> but you can tell you're from south of the Mason-Dixon line. Where did you grow up? Where were you born? How did you evolve in, into your career before becoming mayor of Morrisville?
1: Yeah, good, good question. It's funny when I'm when I'm playing cricket, I do get asked regularly for folks, where are you from? And I think they're expecting you know South Africa, England, you know Australia, something exotic.
0: Join the, the club. I'm, us. Yes.
1: <laughs> and I think they're I think they're disappointed when I say listen I'm from Washington DC you know right right on the Mason-Dixon line or a little bit south of that but
0: the um, great the great cricketing hotbed
1: of Washington Yes yes, yes, yes. So it, yeah so I think I disappoint a lot of people when they don't have a really cool accent but um I have a passion that I hope transcends all those boundaries my background as I said I grew up in Washington DC came from a pretty large family there were I have five brothers and sisters my dad was an architect my my mom Was a very saintly mother taking care of us all. Grew up playing a lot of traditional U.S. sports, uh, baseball, softball, touch football, things like that. Was pretty competitive my whole life. Never really played, though, truly at any sort of league level in any sort of sport. What I lack in stature, if you've met me, I'm I'm not six feet one or anything like that. I used to be able to make up in speed. I used to be very, very quick. And unfortunately, that's kind of gone. So uh, the 22 yards I have to run between the, the creases is uh, just enough. I can still hit the ball, so um, I can still play some c- competitive cricket. But growing up, you know, I grew up in D.C., very international town, but honestly didn't know how to spell cricket growing up. It just didn't exist in our, in you know, where I was. Uh, even throughout high school and college, it, it wasn't until I came down to North Carolina in, in the early 90s to go to grad school at the uh, University. North Carolina, Chapel Hill, I started getting the sense that there's a bond that is, is really driving a lot of folks to this area. In, in Morrisville, North Carolina, we have probably about 35% South Asian population. And a lot of that was created through the high-tech jobs that we have nearby, Research Triangle Park. So for the last 30 years or so, this region has been growing from an international standpoint. So Carolina has turned into a hotbed of really international people coming here from all throughout the world, particularly South Asia. And and with that, kind of before I became mayor of Morrisville, there was a, a great sense of community. You know, they, the temples were growing, the great Indian restaurants were developing, uh, and also their love of their national sport, cricket. Luckily, Morrisville was able to convert a lot of baseball, softball, soccer fields over to cricket at the request of the Triangle Cricket League. Probably about 10 years ago, this started our journey to, to where we are today. Morrisville was, uh, I give them a lot of credit for kind of doing something that a lot of communities still don't want to do, and that's put a pitch in the middle of a soccer field or put a pitch in the outfield of a a baseball diamond, because it's different. They really don't know the sport. They don't know how great it is and how uh, how much support there is for it in this area. So, with, with the, with the uh, two things happening in, in the Morrisville area in particular, we saw more and more people come in that wanted to play cricket. Uh, the Triangle Cricket League had just started about 11 years ago, so there, there was that support system. There's a way for them to get out and play both uh, hard tennis and leather ball. Youth League, Women League, there was that start so many years ago. And with it, Morrisville and also the town next to us or the community next to us, Research Triangle Park, allowed us to build some fields there. The sport has grown and grown and grown to the point where Morrisville had a decision probably a little over five or six years ago. uh, The town was planning on doing a very large baseball softball complex. And if you can picture four fields, back to back to back to back in a pinwheel fashion, the town was planning to do. So this was gonna be a huge baseball softball complex with these four fields kind of taking up the bulk of the middle. Those plans, you know, we bought the land, working with the Wake County to, to develop the, that park. And sort of around the same time, we saw most competitive baseball and softball folks were going to West Raleigh and to Cary to get into really competitive baseball. Morrisville was good, but we're a small town. But we did see that flight of the really good players out of our town to Raleigh and Cary. And we also saw the growth of cricket happening at the same time. Kudos to Morrisville. They they elected to let's scrap the plans of this four baseball field pinwheel park and turn it into a large multi-use field. And by the way, you know, it's close. It looks like it's going to maybe be in the shape of a cricket field. Let's make it the proper dimensions. So all those things kind of happened around the same time where the town shifted gears, made it into a multi-use field that had the dimensions of a proper cricket field. And that was the birth of Church Street Park. And it it was around probably about four years ago in that fashion. During that time, you met the great Alvin Karcher, the old West Indy uh, World Cup Champion. He was one of our greatest supporters here in Morrisville. He he lived here, would instruct cricket to the youth. And so he was a part of our Triangle Cricket League family. He made a connection with the ICC to come visit Church Street Park. Uh, This was probably at least four years ago, four or five years ago. And when the ICC came out, I was mayor at the time. We met him out on the Church Street pitch. And at the time, the pitch was a joke. I mean, it was pretty much looked like the rest of the outfield, there was no proper pitch. I think they tried to put some sand in a rectangular area to create something that resembled a pitch, but it was a, I'll say it was a dog. But the ICC was really impressed with what Morrisville had done. The size of the, uh, the grounds were perfect, and it had the support of the town. So they made some recommendations. On if they kind of challenged us, they said if you can get this pitch in proper working order, we'll give you the expertise. We'll tell you we'll get Dave Agnew here from uh, New Zealand, by the way, you know Australia. We'll we'll get him here. You put in the money, we'll give you the instructions on how to get a proper pitch in order. We'll think about giving you a T20 qualifier one day. So that was kind of our marching order. The town got behind us, TCL got behind us. Uh, We flew in Dave Agnew to help with the pitch prep. It took about a good six months to dial that thing in to get it the proper working order. And ICC came back. They said, "Yeah, you got to do this, this, and this." We had some of the sloping off on it, but the basics were there. So we dialed it in further, got it to their standards, and I think it was about a week or two before the T20 qualifier came right before the rains came that they gave their final blessing that they said this is actually a pretty good pitch that you developed you know we're going to go go through with this t20 so that was kind of the beginning of the story since then the growth in cricket has exploded in this area the triangle cricket league has some over 125 teams 1800 players in both youth women and men's leagues there are probably about 17 grounds around the greater Morrisville, Raleigh area that can be played in. We're seeing um, pressures now from other groups besides Triangle Cricket League, which is fo- you know which is good. We're seeing people with some deep pockets wanting to invest in their own leagues. We had a group that invested in the um, minor league cricket, so that's starting up this fall. Actually, about two months it's starting up after uh, a short preseason last year, sort of a, a preview season. But it's funny, you're getting so much pressure for more and more grounds. And I I hear from other communities that 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 is the problem, is finding enough grounds to support, which is a good problem to have. It's certainly better than we have all these grounds and no players. makes the conversations tough. Uh, Morrisville's under a lot of pressure to open up to a lot of different groups, and they have to kind of do the best they can and, and, and stay within the community standards as far as keeping it a public park. It's been an interesting growth for cricket. All good stuff, All we're all after the same thing, and that's just to grow the sport.
0: For context, I want to put into context for people. You mentioned Cary and, and the baseball grounds proposal that was there for Morrisville. People may not be aware, in Cary, right next door to, to Morrisville as part of the greater Raleigh-Durham area, Cary is actually home to a massive USA Baseball national training complex. Right. So you've got this state-of-the-art facility that's utilized by the governing body for USA Baseball. So it wasn't like they were starved of (laughs) facilities in Morrisville. That may have helped play a part that we can do without four more baseball fields in Morrisville, literally right next door in the next city over. You've got the crown jewel for amateur baseball in America at the USA Baseball National Training Complex in Cary. The other thing he brought up, Alvin Calatron, a lot of people outside of North Carolina, a lot of people outside of the USA would be surprised to learn that Alvin Calatron is a resident of North Carolina. And that's not a recent thing. He's been a longtime resident of the Raleigh-Durham area. And my understanding is he actually married an American who was from the area, and that's part of why he settled down there. How long have you known Alvin, what do you remember of your first interactions of him, and what kind of contributor has he been to the cricket community, not just in Morrisville but in North Carolina in general, in terms of helping to put cricket on the map there and get a facility like this project pushed forward?
1: Yeah, he's affectionately known as Coach here. I probably met him really before I started playing cricket. Uh, So back when they were asking the elected officials to present the man of the match or flip this coin. So I kind of met him before I was into cricket. He he struck me as uh, right off the bat, you shake his hand and these hands uh, have been through a lot. In the 70s, he must have broken every finger five times playing the sport and so you could just tell by shaking his hand that this man has done his time on the grounds and he's put in the work. He just has an incredible air about him. He's very humble, but he has some fantastic stories I and mean, when you sit down and talk to him about his time and it hasn't always been easy for him. I mean, he went through a lot in his career, ended up playing a lot of county cricket in in the UK. Just talking to him, you get a sense that he's he's been around the world and he was in a very tough time in the 70s, you know, being Indian in Guyana, taking the sport to a new level. And the West Indies, you know, would love to get back to those glory days of the 70s, you know, when they were winning the World Cup. I was just uh, thrilled to death that he made North Carolina his home and that he's shown so much interest in developing youth, particularly with his training. So I've kept in touch with him. Uh, I actually got a lesson from him about two weeks ago. After COVID, we had a very short season last year and I got out and I was bowled. I think the first two or three times I got up within the first over and I'm like what am I doing wrong here and so I, I said coach didn't I come out and he had a session with me at, at the, in the nets and he was uh he's very generous with his time he refused to take any payment from me for these lessons and I'm thinking you know, here I am with a guy who's won the world cup a couple times he's an international legend and he's giving me his uh, free time to help me with my cricket swing He's been a wonderful mentor. Uh, I consider him him a brother more than a father figure because we're—I'll say—we're both in our sixties. But he's—he's a—he's a great guy, incredibly humble, but just full of great stories kind of about the old days. I think what he teaches kids more than anything else besides this raw technique is sportsmanship, being yourself, playing within your your own game, and respect for the game and for others that play it. Wonderful asset to our community, and we're truly blessed to have him here. And he is really the reason that we're getting so much love from the international cricket community and the ICC, and uh, we've gotten so much exposure here. He's due a lot of that credit.
0: You said you couldn't call him a father figure, but you do call him coach. Literally,
1: yeah. he's your coach. <laughs> yeah. 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 When, I, when I meet people outside of, um, you know, not on, on a cricket pitch or whatever, we get, and when we talk cricket and things, I talk about Alvin, and their eyes light up, and they always have a story about how they remember, you know, seeing him on TV or listening on the radio back in the day. And I said, you know, he's actually in Morrisville now, and, they're, and they just can't comprehend that, that we have such an asset here. So.
0: And quite an asset he is for sure. Just want to remind everybody today, the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast, presented by Dream Cricket, is also sponsored today by Musa Cricket Stadium, the first, the original turf wicket facility in the state of Texas, located at 5515 McKeever Road in Pearland, five miles off the Bailey Road exit from State Route 288, half hour south of downtown Houston. Musa Cricket Stadium includes fully enclosed locker rooms and change rooms, plus shower facilities after a day's play, as well as outdoor nets for all your training needs. Aside from the main turf stadium ground, there's now a second ground at the facility open for use for more information call 713-534-2195 that's Musa cricket stadium we're here with mayor mark stolman on the stars and stripes cricket podcast presented by dream cricket former mayor of morrisville north carolina what is your first cricket memory
1: I was invited to play some matches, and um, this is hard, pre- pretty much hard tennis. Is when I when I talk about my my cricket background, we consider that kind of the the softball of cricket. But
0: and about, about how old were you, too, by the way?
1: <laughs> well, it, it was only about five years ago, so I was uh, 57.
0: there you go. It's
1: never too late to start no.
0: cricket. Never too late to start <laughs> playing the game.
1: So my my very first memory is I I got up there and they said. Uh, Mark, just don't let the ball hit these stumps behind you. And I said, I can do that. I, I played plenty of baseball. And, and so I got up there and in my traditional baseball swing, I swung at the ball, hit it. And they said, run, 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 drop the bat and ran like crazy. And they said, no, get your bat. And I ran back. And they said, no, you don't have to get your bat. And so uh, I think dropping the bat with a baseball swing was, was my first memories. And I I look back now and think, boy, was that was that guy a bad cricket player? <laughs> but. I was like, you know, I, I could do this. I can run 22 yards. I can feel. I can hit the ball. So it had all the elements. What has taken the longest for me to realize are all the rules. And that's really part of the reason I got involved was to learn the proper rules of cricket. And every day I kind of pick up something I didn't know before. Last season, I I hit a ball. I didn't hear the umpire say no ball, so I started running to the other crease, and I saw the guy catch the ball. And so I slowed down, and I was congratulating him for getting me out. He goes, "Well, not yet." And so he hits hits the stumps, and he got me out that way. So I didn't realize that you could, uh, you know, the run out was a bad thing when you get a a, a no ball free hit. So um, you live and learn. I've even gone to the dark side and started. uh, I got my certification in umpiring. I'm looking at my next career after my playing days are over. I've been umpiring this year in between matches, and I really like that. I I should send you a picture, Peter, but I dress up in a proper— I wear a white lab coat, white hat, coat and tie, you know, the tie, white shirt, black pants. And uh, they said, why are you dressing up like an old English umpire or British umpire? I said, well, they tend to respect you more, first of all, when you're wearing a tie. And believe it or not, you get less uh, argument when you're you're dressed (laughs) up right. So— it, it seems to be working, and I am learning a lot, and I appreciate everyone's patience with me as I figure out, uh, you know, dead ball versus no ball and all that stuff. What I, You know, it's funny about umpiring, Peter. Everyone's an actor. Every wicket keeper is more of an actor than the bowler, and you're always missing that that little tip of the bat to the keeper catching it, the nick. It's amazing how they give up very quickly when you shake your head. No, no, no. <laughs> they quickly go back to playing when they realize they didn't fool you.
0: It's a very empowering position being the umpire. <laughs> well, it's nerve-wracking. There's deal. a lot of
1: action there, and you don't, uh, you know, we don't have the uh, instant replay, <laughs> the uh, the third umpire, we're in, in our grounds yet. My my rule is if I, if I don't see it, I don't call it. Is one of my rules. I don't make up stuff, and I try to be fair with everybody. But if I don't see it, it didn't happen. So
0: there you go. Avoid yeah. Umpire. 100%. Yep. Now, you mentioned playing, you mentioned umpiring. I've also seen you scoring. I remember in 2018, oh, you were you were working the manual scoreboard at Church yes, Street sir. Park in the ICC tournament. So, again, you're all in. You're not just there doing a couple of things here and there. You do everything with cricket. It's, it's remarkable yeah. to see and appreciate and one of the things you mentioned there in that last anecdote which i think is really important for people to understand outside of the traditional cricket communities or people who who do belong to the traditional, traditional cricket communities who are trying to recruit people or welcome people from quote, quote, non-traditional cricket communities, is the fact that you said you started playing right away without fully understanding all the rules. Right. And yet, or the laws, if we want to be 100% proper for cricket. But you told that story with a smile on your face. You could see the enthusiasm and the infectious passion you have for the game and how much fun you're having, just reliving the story and reimagining the story and retelling the story. And I think what frustrates me as an observer of the game at times, is the fact that a lot of people from the quote quote traditional cricket communities get so caught up in this far-fetched notion of having this desire or this need to see somebody know 100% of everything about cricket. <laughs> yeah. Before they will let you or offer you an opportunity to pick up a bat and ball and actually step on the field and play. And if if you don't know the LBW law... (laughs) from day one and if you don't know pitching outside leg versus not pitching outside leg or pitching in line and if you don't know the difference between stumps and a run out and hit wicket and all these other things and that you know like you said dead ball versus no ball and difference between off spin and leg spin and whatever all you want to do is see the ball coming and, and try to hit it and have fun hitting the ball yeah. and being part yeah. of its environment and yet at times i feel like a lot of people in the traditional cricket communities they've got this elevated sense of cricket's importance and to have somebody come onto the field who doesn't know everything about cricket from day one would somehow be undignified (laughs) if you remember those old was it right guard or speed stick commercials with marvin Hagler and charles barkley and anything less would be uncivilized yes (laughs) cricket as wonderful as a sport as it is sometimes this arrogance overwhelms newcomers to the game and almost pushes them away to a certain extent in your own experiences did you come across that at all people who were turning their nose up at you or <laughs> who is this american and why is he here and should we even allow him to play yes. if he doesn't know everything from day one and if we do allow him to play should we should we stick him at number 11 just so he doesn't <laughs> so yeah. the game rather than just letting somebody learn through experience trial yes. and error I've been around cricket now for 16 years. I'm still learning things mm-hmm. on a match-by-match basis. That you see something new every day in cricket. You see something new every day in, in lots of other sports too. Cricket is not unique in this philosophical point of view of you experience something new. There's plays that happen in NFL games. I remember when Odell Beckham caught that one-handed catch on Monday Night Football a couple years ago against the Dallas Cowboys when he was still with the Giants and. Nobody could believe this happened before. And then in, even in a cricket sense, back it's going back almost a decade now. When Adam Voges, the first time some, you know somebody on the boundary caught the ball and they're falling over the boundary and they flick the ball back to a, a teammate who's coming across. Yeah. Nobody's ever seen it before. You're seeing something new in cricket. You see something new in, in these sports all the time. And yet cricket and cricket folk almost feel like no. Cricket has been the same since you know, the 1700s and 1844, the first USA Kinder match and the first ashes test in 1877. The, the sport does not change. The laws are the same and you must know them. So just going back to the question, have you experienced this kind of self-important attitude towards you and, and how have you um, dealt with it?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I, I, I'm, I'm glad to report that I haven't run into a whole lot of arrogance about cricket. Now, we, we're a recreational league at the Triangle Cricket League.
0: You say that in name,
1: but when you get <laughs> field, those people, they don't take it. like it's no, they, the they take it. They take it very serious. But um, what I found out in my own planning experience is that I'm really blessed that my teams that I've been on have enabled me to do everything from opening to being that number 11 or to even even bowling on occasion. They've given me the ability to try all these things. So I've been. I've been really lucky in that aspect. But, you know, there, there is a certain, you know, there's a hierarchy uh, setting up the, the, the batsman's order. Sometimes I think when they want me to open, it's because they know I'm going to be a quick wicket and I'll I'll sit the next person can bat. You know, in, in recreational cricket, it's it's uh, sometimes it's you're almost hoping for a wicket so that you can get up and bat, right?
0: We, we do have a uh, uh, North Dallas 40 syndrome. You got Nick Nolte on the sideline hoping for his teammate on the Cowboys to yeah. get in. So he yeah. can. Get the game. <laughs> yeah.
1: So a lot of times you uh, we we take turns. Uh, you'll find that people retire, you know, after they've had a good spell. They'll sit down to give other people a chance. But I think that's the difference between you know kind of our level and kind of the more professional level. I think when, when folks see me, they don't know what to expect. What is this guy going to do when he's up there? I think I've gained the respect over the years by becoming a better batsman. Certainly imp- improved, you know, on my statistics, and you know I can hang in there. I'm still trip up a little bit on full Yorkers. You know, they seem to be my my. Who does? Who does it? <laughs> so, <laughs> There's
0: players uh, in the IPL, the best in the world, who can't handle Yorkers. So yeah,
1: very good company. I think people, um, I think they appreciate that there's, there's not a whole lot of non-South Asians out there. And a lot of them know who I am. They know that I'm the, I'm the old mayor, and maybe I get more respect from that than, than my actual cricket uh, playing. Uh, I like to think the opposite. You know, they respect my game now. They get real serious at, in some of these matches. And to me, it's, a, it's still a game. I'm still a little kid playing cricket. And so luckily, I don't understand all the languages that are being thrown about on the cricket grounds. You haven't you so, haven't
0: learned all the, the four-letter word equivalents in, in Hindi? And I,
1: I have no idea. And so um, every so often I hear baseball, you know, when, I, when I'm up there, they know I'm going to do a baseball swing or something, or, you know, here's an easy wicket or something like that. I get all that stuff. But a lot of the chatter just goes... Over my head because I don't I don't understand you know all the various languages. But I would say in the most part I do I do get respect. I haven't run into a lot of sort of snobby cricket people out there. They got to watch what they say because I can take them on you know at this level. So I, nobody really intimidates me out there. I don't mind taking hits to the body at all. It doesn't seem to bother me. I've held up pretty good without any significant injuries uh, for my, the most part.
0: It's good to know that Morrisville is welcoming in so many different ways. Absolutely. You spoke earlier about currently there's around 17 cricket fields in the Marsville area, which for one municipality, that's extraordinary. But before Church Street Park, I mean, a ground like that just doesn't pop out of thin air what were the existing facilities like before that broke ground? Mm -hmm. And what were those facilities like in terms of the the quality of the outfields, the standard, and obviously there were no turf wickets, but just the transformation between what was before and what is now after Church Street Park?
1: Yeah, the the original grounds that were around Morrisville, and and we talk about the whole area there's you know, all the way down in, in Fuquay Verena, which is about an hour from here on Chapel Hill, which is 45 minutes from here, RTP, which is a sort of a corporate office park, but they allowed us to build some grounds there, you know, on existing baseball fields. So I would say most of them are just that they're, they're refurbished or they they're baseball softball stadiums or fields. And they've allowed us to put in an AstroTurf pitch in the middle, just two weeks ago, I was out in Chapel Hill helping, a, this is a private individual who has a passion for cricket. He established two very, you know, regulation-sized cricket grounds next to each other, and we were installing the jute mat cricket pitches on those. He had done a, an exceptional job in getting the the under the underground of the, of the pitch in order with official Midwestern clay. He had all the proper equipment there. He really did an unbelievable job for kind of on his own, Vishu Patel. He's allowing Triangle Cricket to play out there. So the evolution started out in we we were, we were in municipal baseball, softball fields, uh, a couple of soccer fields. Morrisville had one field that was never really set up as a soccer field. It was the size of one that we were able to convince them. Let us let us. It was never used for anything. And we said let us put a pitch there and that's where we had some of our youth or women's practices and stuff that didn't need the big you know 70 meter boundaries or anything so um, church street definitely put us on the map for world-class facilities but by and large we still rely on these kind of tried and true converted baseball softball soccer fields for our grounds and then in addition to the big the two big fields in chapel hill uh, a couple years ago we we were able to lease land out in fuquay for another two big fields we play some of our leather ball uh, matches out there. So it's just being creative, being nice to your local municipalities and trying to convince them to take a chance on us. We're not gonna ruin your field by having this little pitch in the middle of it. I, I think for the most part, they still support us. It's a, a loud, a loud raucous bunch of people playing these matches. You know, as long as we clean up after ourselves, and, uh, you know, there's no smoking, no, no drinking allowed on any of our premises. So we we try to be well-behaved and uh, take care of our grounds. And so far, it's paid off for us. I think people, uh, they welcome the opportunity to have us lease their grounds from them.
0: Church Street Park and that, the tournament in 2018, the ICC America's T20 Qualifier. War. We started talking about it a bit earlier. And you mentioned a lot of things that went on that, that week. One of yeah. the things I remember... For being unique because again there were so many unique things about that week that were just I don't want to say revolutionary but just things that were not typical yeah for the, the usual cricket experience in American cricket nice. in terms of tournament hosting event hosting where a lot of times it's just you show up to a facility if somebody's there with a key to open the gate and swing the <laughs> gate open, open say all right there you go you're on your own now do what you need to do and That wasn't the case, starting from when the teams landed at the airport. There were welcome parties, not just for USA, but for Panama and Belize and (laughs) Canada. Everybody got a big welcome, not just with signs, but there were flags. Country flag for Panama and Belize was sourced. I mean, so many things were... Just small touches, but subtle and significant touches were thought of to welcome these teams and make them feel special. Like they were going someplace for a true international event. And even the players that arrived outside of those windows where the majority of the teams and, and players came in. I remember Ali Khan and Hamza Tariq who were late arrivals from the CPL. The CPL had just finished with Trinbago uh, Trimbago Knight Riders and they had won the title with Trimbago Night Riders. They were the last two players to come in to to Marsville and they came in on a flight that was after midnight, I think, yep. from memory. It was one of the last flights of the day coming to come into Raleigh Durham Airport. And yet at the baggage clean, where members of the community with signs with a US flag with a Canadian flag, yeah. nobody had to worry about getting them to the hotel in the past. I remember there yeah. were instances for USA national team camps where I was or, or international tournaments where players came in on the last flight of the day. They might have landed at 1130 or midnight, and I, I may have been on the same flight as some of those players mm-hmm. coming from Newark Airport to wherever the venue was. And other players from the West Coast might have come in at the same time, and nobody was there to pick them up. And they were just told, "Well, take the shuttle bus, the free shuttle bus that the hotel is offering, and that might only come once an hour." And yeah. players are coming up to me saying, "Hey, Peter, can you give us a ride to the hotel and get rented?" <laughs> like, okay, if, if you guys need it, I've got room. It's just me and my car. I'm not going to say no. Yeah. But it's just kind of unusual that I would be in a position or a reporter or anybody else would be in that position to drive a USA national team captain or other players to the team hotel because nobody bothered to arrange anything to get them to the team hotel. And they're just there all alone. That wasn't the case in North Carolina. Again, it was stress to the the players. If you need something, there's volunteers all around. We'll help you. Whatever you need. One of the teams or one of the group of players will remain nameless. (laughs) They frequented one of the gentlemen clubs quite often during the week and word got out. And one of the tournament officials said, is it true? Were you out late last night going to so-and-so strip club? And the players were like, yes. It's like, why didn't you tell us? We would have given you a ride. Why didn't you (laughs) call a taxi? We would have driven you there. Like, Why didn't you
1: ask? Well, that's that's (laughs) Southern hospitality.
0: What stands out to you most, the Morrisville community, and how they stepped up during the course of that yeah.
1: week? Well, I tell you, uh, Triangle Cricket League has such huge uh, volunteer base, um, and we have a lot of support because each one of those players has a family that's also kind of a, a cricket fan. I think we realized early on that ICC can go a lot of places if they want to host a tournament. We felt like they were kind of taking a risk coming to North Carolina on a you know the first big tournament on this brand new pitch, especially in the middle of the hurricane season. We understand that they have choices. Players have choices. These, uh, ICC has choices where to hold these events. And we were very honored to be selected. And we wanted to go over the top to make people feel at home and to have them go back to Belize or Panama or Canada or throughout the U.S. and world and say, you know what? North Carolina knows what they're doing. They, they hosted a great tournament. They treated us like royalty. And so we and we did it because uh, we wanted to. We were we were thrilled to have these teams here. We wanted to make them all feel at home. So we, you know, we bought the country flags and we had kids out there with the little flags you know, waving around during the tournament. And we wanted them to feel very welcome. And uh, I think we accomplished that. The airport greetings were a lot of fun. The funny part was just seeing all the other travelers wondering, what are you all doing here with all the, you know, so we, we got to, inf- we got to teach a lot of people that, you know, cricket's a real sport and uh, it's not croquet, it's cricket. So you, you get your sports right. And it's big here in the United States and in North Carolina. So we kind of went all out for the uh, hospitality. We, we heard from many, many people that e- even like the U.S. players, they said, you know, we'll, we'll show up at t- a tournament in Los Angeles and there won't be 50 people there. Well, we'll get a couple hundred people for a tribal Cricket League match. We had a lot of people for our minor league team last year that did some exhibition games. And then when we talked about earlier, you know, 2,500 people for these games for this this qualifier was just unbelievable. And the energy was, it was electric. And the fans fed off of it. The players fed off of it. And, you know, I think it's going to be remembered as one of those kind of turning points in really U.S. cricket.
0: You touched on the, the 2,500 crowd, so I want to get to that, kind of leading yes. to that now. The two USA-Canada games were the marquee games. The first one went down to a Super over. It was a very, very exciting game. Canada emerged as the winner in that one. That was played in the kind of late afternoon. But then the decision was made that the match times were supposed to be 11 o'clock and 4 o'clock daily. And sometimes cricket administrators can be quite inflexible, very rigid with their rules. But a decision was taken for the second USA-Canada game to push back the start time by a few hours because it was a weekday. First game, I believe, was on a weekend, so that 11 o'clock, 4 o'clock timing wasn't an issue. Second game happened on a weekday. They made the decision, we've got these floodlights here. Might as well use them. Sure. And the crowd was so good on the first game for USA-Canada that was on a weekend. If we push back the start time a little bit to allow people who need to get out of work and can't come until after 5 o'clock or 5.30, we've got the floodlights. We could have another really solid crowd and encourage yeah. people to come back out. And what happened was just an extraordinary experience, not just the ending, Stephen Taylor hitting yeah. the 26th a yeah. final over off Janay Siddiqui of Canada, the leg spinner, and finishing 96 not out, one of the great innings in, in T20 cricket history for USA. But the atmosphere that night, again, 2,500 people, the environment, people storming the field. There was a pitch invasion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who would ever ever thought in U.S. cricket there would be enough people in a crowd to be worried about a pitch invasion? I mean, <laughs> yeah. the, the security guards who were there was only a handful of security staff there. I don't think they were prepared for people yeah, to try, storm. Try,
1: try to hold back the crowd, yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and so it was kind of like this very polite southern interaction took over. It was like please, yeah. please, like very pretty please, you know. <laughs> no, please, no, no. can you get off the field? You know, we want to protect the pitch. You guys aren't supposed be on the field but just the emotion took over everybody was running the field and it was just such an incredible moment. That night, having that crowd, it's the biggest crowd I've ever seen on U.S. soil for an official USA national team match. I know there's some stories anecdotally of USA Select 11, Invitation 11, playing against the West Indies 11 in Brooklyn at uh, Floyd Bennett Field back in, I think, 2005 or 2006, that had at least 5,000 or so people. But that that was an unofficial match. It was an unofficial West Indies 11 and an unofficial USA 11, not ICC sanctioned. This is for an, an actual sanctioned tournament match. Biggest crowd I've ever seen in. In the modern era of U.S. cricket, what was the hallmark moment or the standout moment from that night and that occasion that you think will be remembered for generations to come?
1: Really, the pinnacle of the evening was that the sixth, Stephen Taylor hit to win the match at the end, and then the place just went bonkers. I think it, it's really telling how astute the cricket fans in North Carolina are. We we had a couple of these small, portable scoreboards, as you mentioned, you know, that you probably can't even see if you're really across the entire grounds, but people were in tune. We were doing a live simulcast, the, the broadcast, uh, very good quality, kind of homegrown team doing that. We had a DJ that was rocking the tunes between deliveries. The whole night, uh, if you picture the grounds, we had this magnificent green acreage of cricket grounds, just perfectly manicured under these, and you call them floodlights, but these things were you know, world-class lights that lit up this field like a jewel, like an emerald in the middle of the woods or something. And the field is special, that we actually have up lights on these poles. So when that ball goes up in the air, You don't lose it as a shadow. It's lit on its entire journey. And it just makes for in the audience a really special occasion so you, you combine the music the stress of you know we're, we're about to lose this match and we can't we can't lose two to Canada and it, my god he keeps on hitting boundaries and you know we, we might just do this and to come down to the last couple balls and knowing that you know we have a chance but not really and then he did what he had to do you know to get us over the, the line was just you know the, the pent up excitement just burst when we got to that point and uh, people went nuts they stormed the Field uh, respectfully stayed away from the, the pitch, and uh, I think the players just got a huge kick out of that that ending of a really of a perfect tournament. Even the players from Panama and Belize were very generous to bring teams to the U.S. and they're at a different level in their development than the U.S. and Canada is, obviously. But they, you know, they kind of stuck with us. A lot of those players were around for the other matches. And it was just cool to see that much excitement. And you think about, you know, I I do, you know, as kind of former mayor, I think about what could have been if we had stuck with baseball for these fields. Or, if we'd never worked with our local county commissioners to get these lights uh, that are, were a new a new addition to the field, or if the Morrisville Town Council just said, What is cricket, and we don't want to be bothered with it all those years ago, to think how many things had to happen to make that night come off as well as it did is just it's mind boggling to think you know that it that it all kind of came together. And that's really, you know, I'm describing some of the challenges that other communities have with cricket in trying to develop the game for your area. It's tough. You know, it it takes a lot of cooperation between volunteers and the local communities, and it takes some big acreage to get these fields in. And it's not everything, you know, everyone can't do that. We're considered very, very lucky here in North Carolina that it all kind of came together under my watch I was more of a spectator, but a very willing booster of cricket and uh, whatever I did to help push it over the line. but there's a whole bunch of people with me on this journey. It would you know nothing I did on my own, but it was a took eleven years for us to get to that night, so it was pretty exciting.
0: One of the things. People who were there will also remember, not just from that night, but I think it was a day or two later, at the closing ceremony presentation, Eric Parthen, who was the Project USA head administrator at the time. The Project USA was the transitional administration from the expelled USA Cricket Association to the ICC staff, who were the caretakers before handing over to the new USA Cricket Administration. Eric Parthen. Takes the microphone, tells a quite large gathering of people. This was a wonderful event. Thank you to Morrisville. And I'm proud to declare that this is the number one cricket facility in America, the best cricket facility in America. And you guys should be proud that this place is the best in America. And everybody went, woo! Everybody yeah. going nuts. And coming out of that moment, I think the expectation was but from a lot of people, not just in Morrisville, but outside of Marsville, that this was just going to be the first step of many more events, bigger and better things. And yet, that's not just the first event that Morrisville has hosted in terms of an ICC event. It's also the last event that Morrisville right. has hosted right. as a ICC or, or USA international event. And I think that it's just really unfortunate how, how things have unfolded. The ICC had announced in May of 2019, just after USA had got. ODI status that church street park was going to be the designated host site for usa's first ever home odis later that year in september mm-hmm. contingent upon the venue being certified for hosting odi matches and then very late in the summer very kind of quietly the venue was switched to Lauderhill hill in florida and the reasoning behind that is still kind of very <laughs> vague and obscure to a lot of people still here we are now three years later close to three years later from that
1: magnificent
0: tournament that was hosted and there's still not been any international cricket in Morrisville coming off of again what was just such an incredible yeah. event not just playing wise facility wise but the community support the fan support never been seen before in US cricket and then when you see what happened in Florida in September 2019 where there were I believe either 17 or 19 people in the stands for USA's first ever <laughs> home ODI against Papua yeah. New Guinea it was just such a down yeah and I want to ask you from your perspective again as a former mayor of Morrisville who helped drive some of these cricket initiatives how do you respond and how do you react to the fact that you haven't been given an opportunity as a city as a venue to host any further ICC events or USA ODI series home series tri-series and what do you think needs to happen to bring that level of cricket back to Morrisville
1: Yeah, that'd be a great, great question, Peter. I I think what I learned being the mayor is that things take time. Uh, You do have to be patient uh, with, especially when you're dealing with two kind of bureaucratic organizations, one being the town of Morrisville, which has been really a a good partner in this, but this is a public facility. This is a taxpayer funded facility. So it takes time to get, you know, I would say some enhancements done to that venue. Uh, on the other side, you have the ICC, USA, and I'll, I'll throw an ace You know, as, as part of these the folks we're talking to. When you get two sort of bureaucracies together, I think it can take even longer sometimes. So I'm trying to be fair to all those parties I just mentioned. I think their heart is in the right place. I think sometimes it just takes a little while to see the results I know behind the scenes that there have been additional talks about what we can do, what investments can these other groups, you know, whether it's ICC, USA Cricket, Ace, what can they bring to Morrisville so it's not all on the taxpayers' back to develop some of the additional facilities that we need there. The grounds are gorgeous. The lights are nice. The field is perfect. But we we need things like stands. We need proper changing facilities. We need some practice nets and things like that, that you don't have to drive five minutes to get to. So there's a lot of things uh, the town knows it needs. There's a lot of things that the cricket bodies know that we need. And I think we're working towards that. It may seem like nothing's happening, but I think the fact of the matter, it is happening. I'm totally confident we will see some of these international level competition tournaments back in Morrisville. You can't take away from our facilities. We'll get the crowds there. The players like us. I think we've proven we can we can host a tournament. So it, it's just a question of finding those right elements come together. We've made some strides, as you know, with we were awarded a minor league team, the Morrisville Cardinals. We had some really good crowds there last year, even in the middle of COVID really shut down those facilities from outsiders, but yet we managed a couple hundred people that snuck in to watch you know, them play Atlanta in some matches. And they were, they were actually really competitive matches, and it was kind of fun to watch them. Their season starts up in uh, late July this year. I was talking with some of the people from minor league cricket. We're on the docket to host the finals this year here in Morrisville. So I think there's, uh, while it's not, you know, ICC T20, we are making some strides in the right direction. Hats off to the people that, you know, put in the money for the Cardinals and are developing that that whole team. We're very excited about that. Morrisville's never had a professional team before, and, and we're getting one, you know, because of Church Street Park.
0: All right, Mark. Time for the best eleven, eleven questions. Trying to oh, do it backfire. Try not to think too hard about this stuff. Eleven questions, cricket and non-cricket. See how you go. Are you ready to rock and roll?
1: yeah, do we have a uh, do you have a mute button or something in case I <laughs> I need to be uh, muted.
0: Here we go. First question. the nicest or the best cricket ground experience you've had as a player or a fan?
1: Well, Church Street Park, of course. Just a bit biased. Just a bit biased, but no what a ground.
0: Your favorite place to eat out on tour, or it could be a chain fast food, it could be just a, a specific restaurant, your favorite place to go out to when you're, when you're in a different city outside of Morrisville?
1: Oh boy, I, I love to find uh, brew pubs. They seem to have the best food. I uh, haven't gotten to travel a whole lot in the last year, but get me a brew pub and I'll be happy.
0: Your favorite cricketer of all time?
1: Uh, Alvin Catter-Town. Are you kidding me? Coach. 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 Your favorite non-cricket athlete of all time. That's a tough one. You know, I, I grew up in Washington, D.C., and the, the Redskins, back when I was growing up, they'd won some Super Bowls. So when I think of back on the, the Fun Bunch and the uh, the Diesel and the Hogs, uh, you know, those Redskin teams from the 70s and 80s, I liked a lot of those players. And I, I was a rabid Redskin fan before I became a Panther fan.
0: Who is your go-to quarterback if your season is on the line? Are you going for Joe <laughs> Heisman, Doug Williams, Mark Rippon? Which one are you choosing?
1: Uh, well, I'm going to go further back. I'm going to go to Sonny Jurgensen. Oh, who I, uh, that is further I, back. I, I, way back. I met him at a bar. Actually, there's a place called the Touchdown Club in D.C., which was kind of the Redskins hangout. I was told that if I went in the bar, I could meet Sonny Jurgensen. So I, uh, that's that's where I met my idol. Your
0: favorite non-cricket sports venue, what's your favorite stadium to watch a game
1: in? Without a doubt, PNC Arena where the Carolina Hurricanes play. Hockey is a truly the sport to be seen in person, and the Kaniacs and the Hurricanes, uh, there's nothing like them in the world.
0: I grew up as a big ice hockey guy. I, I played ice hockey. I was probably one of the uh, That and tennis were the two sports I stuck with longest growing up. Grew up as a New Jersey Devils fan during (laughs) their three Stanley Cup runs in 95, 2000, and 2003. Went to a couple playoff games. Like you said, there is nothing like watching an ice hockey game in person. There's a lot of other sports I like watching on TV, but in person, the in-person experience watching an ice hockey game, it just doesn't compare to anything else. The speed of the game, the athleticism, everything that happens in an ice rink, it doesn't translate
1: very well to TV. The skill of those players is amazing. They'd be good cricketers, actually. You know that?
0: Part of my skill set in terms of transferring to cricket comes from ice hockey. Again, you're you're playing the puck off the ground level surface off the ice. And so, you know, the slap shot technical motion is very similar to a cover drive. And just the way you kind of hold the stick, you don't hold a baseball bat like that.
1: Yeah, maybe we'll discover the uh, next big wave of fin- Finnish and uh, Swedish cricket players.
0: Call up Ron Francis. There you go. <laughs> All right. Your your favorite. We might be going uh, to the hurricanes again here. Your favorite sports moment in North Carolina state history. That could be college sports, could be UNC basketball, football. It could be uh, North Carolina State, could be professional sports, could be cricket. What's your favorite moment in, in, in the state of North Carolina sports history?
1: I would say it was 2006 uh, actually seeing the Hurricanes win that Stanley Cup in person after they were dominating the Edmonton Oilers and Edmonton came back and won a couple games at the end there forcing a the game 7 to be there at the arena when they when they won it, it's literally you know 8 months of stress at once is is gone in a flash we were lucky that we had um, the ability to see the cup that night and uh, drink out of it couple months later it came to our neighborhood and the kids ate ice cream out of the stanley cup uh, so a lot of fond memories of that of that run and i would say overall that was my favorite i i'm, I'm a Tar Heel, so i've been really blessed with some good basketball also but uh, the stanley cup in 06 was an amazing uh, ride
0: are you a coke or a pepsi guy
1: <laughs> i'd rather have a lassi. To be honest with you, uh, I don't I don't drink sodas anymore. I I, I was told that it does, it's not good for you, so I'm, I'm trying to trying to stay healthy and I want to play cricket. My goal is to play cricket till at least I'm 70. I got to cut out the sweets to do that.
0: Straight bad for the high fructose corn syrup.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: All right. Your favorite pizza topping. Have you stopped pizza? Are you you still a pizza? Do you go to the pizza?
1: No, no, no. They just opened, I'm in Cary now, but they just opened a great Brooklyn pizza place. I like the deeper dish pizzas, either Chicago or the square Brooklyn style, but I like something with a little um, substance to it, not the little scrawny flat pizzas.
0: So what's your favorite topping?
1: Probably pepperoni, but I, you know, give me some good sauce and cheese and I'm fine.
0: Your favorite movie of all time?
1: The ones that struck me when you, when you saw them in in real life were, were things like you know I grew up kind of a Star Wars guy's uh, you know back back in the in the 70s so those were they look kind of uh, cartoonish now when you look back at the the early ones but at the time they were state of the art and they were pretty impressive so uh, I'm kind of a Star Wars fan.
0: If you had to, if you had to pick one of the three originals. A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, or Return <laughs> of the Jedi. Which one? Which one would you go for? Uh,
1: the 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 first one, which I guess was the third one, right? Or the fourth. Or the, the, first is
0: the, fourth. The, the first the fourth. The first is the fourth.
1: Whichever, you know that, that that's when they lost me when they started going in reverse.
0: <laughs> so Star Wars: A New Hope. Your favorite show to binge watch on Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, DVD box set, any those kind of things. What's your go-to show that once you, you can sit for hours and hours at a time?
1: Any any car restoration show I really like, Texas Metal, Iron Resurrection, what is it, Bitchin' Rides is another one. I grew up in the 60s and the 70s. My, my grandfather was a Chevrolet dealership. You know, I, I got to live in these brand-new Camaros and stuff. And when I see someone take an old Camaro from the 60s and resurrect it, I'm, I'm happy then.
0: All right, last one. This is a, a Raleigh-Morrisville-tailored final question. All right. The best cut of beef on the menu at the Angus Barn. What do you go for it? The bone and tomahawk, the Chateaubriand, <laughs> the prime rib, the filet mignon, the T-bone, the ribeye, or the New York Strip.
1: I like the New York strip because it has, it has a little something to it. You know, it's got, you know, the filet is too soft and tasty and, you know, it doesn't, it feels like you're eating cupcake or something. But when you get into the New York steak, New York strip, it's got some real taste behind it. It's aged just right. And they cook it like never before. So I'm a big uh, New York strip steak guy at the Angus Barn, when I can afford it. It's uh, not a cheap date, though.
0: It's not an everyday meal no. at the Angus no. Barn. No, <laughs> not at all.
1: Not at all.
0: And, and how do you get your New York strip cooked?
1: It's medium, which means it's uh, still a little pink inside.
0: Medium's all right. Medium, yeah. I'm a medium yeah. rare guy. Medium's okay. You can't charcoal a steak or else there's no point to it. You got You got to keep it a little bit red in there. No, no, no.
1: You're making me hungry, Peter.
0: <laughs> mayor Mark Solman, former mayor of Morrisville, North Carolina, thank you so much for coming on the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast. Give you the final word. Anything else you want to say about cricket in Morrisville cricket in North Carolina or anything else in general about what you're doing these days, the floor is yours.
1: I appreciate that. Just uh, for those that play cricket, keep playing. Those that want to play cricket, start playing. And those that want to watch cricket, come to Morrisville. We'll have a lot of cricket for you to watch. Uh, just keep supporting the sport. It is truly the finest sport in the world. It's just that a lot of people haven't discovered it yet. But once they do, they'll be hooked. Want to keep the sport growing. Looking forward to the Olympics one day.
0: And there's no greater evidence that once you find the sport, you get hooked than yourself, Mark. Mayor Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much again for coming on the show.
1: All right. Thank you, Peter. Take care.
0: How lucky is North Carolina and how lucky is USA to have Mayor Mark Stolman going to bat for cricket? We need about another couple thousand more people like Mark Stolman to get this game going forward in America. That's it for today's edition of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket. A reminder to everybody, jump on board on Patreon. If you haven't become a patron on Patreon, it helps to keep the show going. You can also help spread the word of the American Cricket Gospel on iTunes, Anchor FM, Spotify, Spotify and all sorts of other podcast streaming platforms until next time i am peter de la pena god bless america and god bless american cricket